When it comes to discussing our bodies, we often get a little uncomfortable. Women's health issues are often seen as off-limits, taboo topics we just don't talk about. It's time for that to change. Let's talk. Welcome to the Brave Mama podcast, where we are going to do exactly that. Discuss everything from periods to pregnancy, motherhood to menopause. No topic is off-limits. Join Stephanie Thompson, the brave mama and author of The Day My Vagina Broke, as she asks other brave women about their personal health challenges and triumphs. You will learn, laugh and cry as Stephanie finds out everything you wanted to know but were too afraid or embarrassed to ask. So, grab a cuppa and enjoy. Imagine if we were comfortable talking about anything. Where we lived in a world where speaking our true mind and we were allowed to be curious out loud Imagine if that was all okay. So no judgment, no fear, just open conversations. This is what we aim to do here at Brave Mama by using this podcast as the vehicle. Just before we get into today's episode, I'd love to share with you what one of our listeners, Kimmy, had to say. As a woman who lives with prolapse, I personally find it so empowering to have these conversations out in the open and to be able to hear from a wide range of experts. Reviews like that for this podcast really help us realize that we're on the right track here. And this is coming from Kim, who is a creator of the Empowered Motherhood Program. They too are working hard to ensure that women are feeling supported before, during and after pregnancy. So if you are finding the content of this podcast helpful, share it with someone who you feel could really benefit from tuning in All right, today's topic is seen as off-limits, probably even more so than talking about our pelvic health, and I'm starting to feel a little salt and pepper tune kicking in here. That's right, we are talking about sex. The difference with today's conversation is that we've invited along a qualified sex therapist, Vanessa Tarfron, and we really focus on how prolapse, incontinence and sex and intimacy are all intertwined and connected. Vanessa is going to teach you how to connect with yourself first, because that's so important, then ways to be able to connect with your partner in ways you've probably never heard of before. Her practical tips are simple to implement, and the best thing is that you can just do it at your own pace. So let's get into today's conversation with Vanessa. Hi, Vanessa. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's such an honor to have you with us. Thank you very much. I'm very excited to be here. Now, we are going to find out about who you are and the the amazing things that you're doing for our community. But first of all, I always like to ask, who was Vanessa before she became a mama? I was actually a HR corporate worker and a huge traveler. Traveling is a big part of my life so I used to travel a lot when I was younger and when I was single with my sister we'd do big backpacking trips around and then after I met my husband he would come along as well and then we'd go separately and just I'd say I was a really fun person back then um (laughs) traveling and dancing around they were probably my two big things and I literally used to when I was a bit younger um work to travel I would work save money as soon as I had enough I was out of here and off on a plane and then I just continued that cycle that's Um, amazing 
yeah and since having kids I think I've done one holiday in four years <laughs> they say that so your your two are still quite little so being four yeah. and under that's I think all the mamas are nodding going yep you're in the thick of it we we understand traveling is really hard and do you find the best part of a holiday with kids even though you've had one is the planning it's like oh we're gonna go on a holiday it's gonna be amazing and then you get there and you're like no it's the same shit in a different location yeah pretty much yeah <laughs> so tell us a little bit about, I mean we're talking about journeys your journey to motherhood what was that like for you with your two sons yeah so I became a mum in 2017 with my first son and then my second son came along a bit unexpectedly <laughs> Uh, yeah 18 months later in 2019 and it it was good and it's actually worked out really well for my eldest but it was unexpected I suppose because in the first 12 months my eldest had a few medical complications so the first 12 months of his life was really focused on him and his needs and things that we needed to do so I didn't really have any me time in that first 12 months sure and uh when I think back and think about it my husband and I didn't actually go on a date night until he was 14 months old sure so that was huge for us and then to have my second son come along at 18 months later just really felt overwhelming for me and I was kind of just starting to get back to feeling like myself and being happy with kind of where I had gotten my body back to and everything and then he came along and that kind of just seemed to go straight back (laughs) to that kind of unhappy place again so it had a really big effect on me individually and with my relationship I suppose with my husband it kind of comes part and parcel, doesn't it? When we're not thinking highly of ourselves or we're not loving ourselves the way that we could generally, what do they say? Like when you when you are depleted, there's not much love that can actually come out of your mouth anyway because you don't even have it for yourself. Exactly. And mm. I think that is something that I, when I made that kind of conscious decision to work on myself and make sure that I fit time in every day or every week whenever I could for myself Mm. I noticed a huge difference with my energy and my mental state and the words that were coming out of my mouth and my actions and all of that everything just took on a much more positive spin okay to it and so for me just in terms of talking about the relationship The lowest point for me, and I suppose where I decided that I needed to make a change in myself, Mm -hmm. was lying in bed one night and my husband came to bed and he touched my arm and I recoiled at the touch on my arm because I was like, oh God, here we go. Here we go. You know, he wants to have sex and all of that sort of stuff. And he obviously reacted to that as well. And he didn't mean at all to initiate sex. He just wanted to, you know, touch my arm or give me a hug. Uh, but that's not where my mind went with it. Well, so to, to be fair, I think a lot of our partners, once they come into the room, give a physical indication if it is a touch on the arm. Like 
it's it comes from a pattern right if they just tired and want to go to bed they just lay down and go to bed but yeah generally if they want something else there is some so I can understand why you would have thought that well yeah he wants to have sex with me yeah and his love language as well is is physical touch he's always okay. been like that so right. you know even just sitting on the couch watching tv he'll like to hug or have an arm or even when we are sleeping I'm one of those people that I just want to roll over on my side don't come on my side I'm going don't to sleep me. don't touch me <laughs> And he'll always have a little a leg or a foot or something creeping over to just have that little touch. So yeah, and and I knew it was something wrong because I felt shame about it and I felt embarrassed by it and I felt guilty because I knew he felt rejected. Of course. Um, did and, he say anything at that point? Like did he indicate to you? Yes. Okay. Yeah. He did. And one of the things, obviously, that he said was, I wasn't trying to initiate anything, mm. although, you know, had it progressed, not a problem. <laughs> I was thinking that. I was thinking yeah. that they always say that. I didn't want it because it's like a defense mechanism, right? That rejection for sex. It's like, yeah. oh, I didn't want it anyway. What are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. Um, but then obviously, I spoke about being touched out yeah. and all of that. So we really needed to have that conversation about what it meant and what we felt because I didn't also want to keep feeling guilty of as course. well by putting him in this in this place. And we were just kind of in this negative cycle. So And there's was, probably some sleep deprivation in that cycle with two young children. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And definitely. For, for our listeners who may not understand what touched out is, I think it's it's a relatively new-ish coined term on social media. I think it's always been there, but now there's yeah. the name of it where you have been touched and in connection with a child all day for days on end and yeah. you get to the point where someone touches you, you, you actually, you do coil away because you're like, enough is enough. Just just stop touching my body. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely have a, a very clear physical reaction mm. to what's happening. And it's a conscious decision, obviously, to stop that because, and it is something you need to think about in your relationship because, yes, you know, we're touched out, but mm -hmm. we've been touched out by our kids. Our partner, for instance, may have been out at work all day and they actually haven't touched you at all. Or been touched. Exactly. They haven't had that connection that, and if your husband's love language is physical touch, he hasn't had it at work, the kids haven't given it to him all day and then you don't give it to him. It's like, wow, it's a quite a vicious cycle, isn't it? <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. It's horrible. So it's kind of really important to think about it from both perspectives. So definitely a conversation between the two is the first step to really resolving any of that. So let's just go right there because we like to do a nice little warm up about who you are and then what you do, but we're kind of here. So let's just keep doing it. So your, your expertise is in this area because when you said, oh, we had to have a conversation about it, my initial thoughts were, how the hell do you talk about that? Because it's hard enough to talk about how, how is your day? Yeah, good. You can't finish a sentence. And then to have that really important conversation that could be hard explain to us what you do now because it's going to give us some really good indicators to how you know how to have these conversations <laughs> so obviously the first thing is to actually sit down together at a time where you can where there's nothing else distracting you and 
you need to agree to be really open and honest with each other. And eye contact is really important for connection and have an open body language. Don't, and it, it's sometimes a conscious decision. Don't cross your arms, don't cross mm-hmm. your legs. Um, okay. That all comes off as defensive as well. So wow. what I like to call 360 degree communication is what is really good. So if you want some starting points on, you know, what to talk about, tell your partner how you see yourself as a sexual person, how you see them when it comes to sex, what you feel and think about sex and intimacy in general and how important is it to you and what are your biggest concerns when it comes to sex. Um, So laying that all out on the table is really important because from there you can have a solution-driven conversation. Okay. Um, And sex and intimacy is really important for emotional connection in a relationship. We like to um, bond with hmm. people where we're a social species human beings yeah uh, so once you do that then you can outline what your boundaries are so what are you willing to do what do you not want to do and that's really important for moving forward into that positive sexual space and it also removes what we call response anxiety and stress and tension which negatively impact okay. um, even your bodily reactions so Response anxiety is just where you think your partner's going to do something. So, you know, they're touching your leg. You then think, oh, my gosh, they're going to now touch my genitals and I actually don't want that. Mm-hmm. By talking about it, you can actually remove that response because they know, oh, she doesn't want me to touch her genitals, so I won't. Yeah, okay. Um, that that makes total sense. And I think we've kind of, we've we've taken the next level down. So, you know all of this stuff. Did you become a sex therapist after that first conversation with your husband? Because I know you said you're in the corporate space. Did that kind of lead into this career for you? I had already done my master's back in 2013. I did a master's in sexual health, HIV and STIs. But it was after I had my first son that I decided to create authentic awareness because I discovered there were all these new mums all of a sudden I had these these new mum friends um, and myself as well included and it's a really undersupported group of people mm. in terms of practical information to help revive sexual identity and and sex lives and I always talk about the six-week checkup conversation that we have with our doctor or midwife oh yes the one to go back into exercise and bounce back with your body oh gosh exactly, yeah I hate that one yeah and it's interesting because I did a survey at the end of last year and the majority of women described the conversation about sex as just very basic and all around contraception so you don't um, get pregnant again exactly basically it's not there's nothing there about how you can have your own pleasure to make your body feel good so that you can give to others none of that is there it's like just don't have another baby yet (laughs) yeah exactly exactly and and the closest you'll get to you know any sort of that conversation is oh you're good to go six weeks you're all healed you're good to go oh my lordy Um, can I share with you Vanessa yeah at that six-week checkup 
when my obstetrician said, so what do you want to do about contraception? I said, you just had a look down there. That is the contraception. What happened in the first birth and the trauma, that's it. There is no, he's like, oh, well, you never know. I said, no, I'm telling you. And it was true because it took a really yeah. long time. So even just for a person of that level of power to have that conversation with you about, well, it's almost like they're kind of saying to you, well, your husband may want sex. He might need that. No matter what you're going through or no matter what's happened to you after just having a baby, I think they're thinking about the man too much or the partner. Definitely. And they're almost scared, a lot of them, to have the conversation and have a real conversation. And you can see when they react, it's kind of like, oh, well, I'll have the conversation if you bring it up. But, (laughs) you know, we'll just skim over it. And it is, and I hate that we also tell women, most women uh, go back to having sex around the six to eight week mark. I actually really hate that because a lot of women that I talk to, it's months down the track. I've spoken to women even 18 months down the track. And, you know, my question always is, that's great. You're giving people this number of six to eight weeks. Have you actually asked those women whether they actually want to be having sex then or whether they actually feel like they should be having sex then, you know? The pressure. And the pressure to go back in, yeah. Because the other thing in my survey that I asked was uh, how often are you having sex a month and how often would you actually like to have sex a month? And it's interesting because even all these women with low sexual desire want to have sex more often than they are. But there were a lot of responses which were really interesting because they were around the normal time. And then, you know, sort of like, oh, so I suppose twice a week would be good because that's normal. Oh, gosh. So, yeah, and I just, I really hate that because I hate talking about sexual frequency in terms of normal because there really is no normal. It's whatever you want is yeah. what's normal for you. You know, you can do it once a month and be totally happy with that. Mm. I love that it. you pointed that out because yeah, if you are once a month couple and then someone else says, oh, what? Only once a month? That's not normal. It makes you feel abnormal. Yeah, exactly. If, even if it works for you and that's... Wow. Yeah, that's huge, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Mm. And we're talking too about people always talk about sex as being intercourse as well. So we're saying once a month, but that doesn't mean that, you know, through the course of that month as well, you might be doing self-pleasure once a week um, and you might really enjoy that. Yeah. What's wrong with that? Absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a conversation that I feel like even after talking about vaginas since 2019, quite publicly and feeling less and less blushing or, you know, (laughs) shame and taboo, this is a next level conversation, really. So sex is the next level and then self-pleasure because the taboo around masturbation for women. Oh my goodness. Yes. And there's lots of people out there like myself who are working so hard to get rid of that taboo. And it really does go back to the very basics of sex education at school Mm -hmm. where boys are taught. And I mean, I have two boys. So I fully expect that in their teenage years, I'm sure I'm going to walk in on them masturbating at some point at home. Yeah, it's almost like you, it's almost like a rite of passage, a mum 
washing exactly. the sheets of her son is like, oh, he's become a man. Yay. Yeah, exactly. But we don't have that same reaction with For daughters. Goodness. It's it's kind of like, oh my gosh, my daughter is you know self pleasuring. She's going to get pregnant. Um, oh shit. Exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh, she's really sexual. This is not a good idea. Mm. And there is a little bit of research that I read that had come out last year, I think it was, it's only fairly recent, Okay. that uh, girls who actually engaged in self-pleasure when they were younger, then when they went into their first actual sexual experience with a partner, actually had more pleasure and more control because they knew what they liked, they knew what they needed. And that to me is really key because it's giving them confidence mm-hmm. in what their body needs, how to react, how to talk to a partner as well. That's so important. I mean, I would have loved it if my first experience was, you know, actually pleasurable and was anything like what I needed as opposed to just, oh, okay, that's it, right? Okay. Yeah. And you do. It's such a letdown, isn't it? It's such a, the Hollywood movies make out is if you have a long-term partner and you love each other, it's just going to be magical. And then when it's not like that, or it's all about the, the, the male, once they're finished, that's it. Yeah. I love that, that the whole idea. So in that research though, this would be interesting. This is just a curious question. I always got a, oh, but why? Oh, but how type of mind? Does it say anything in there about the age of girls when we should start talking to them about pleasuring themselves? In that one, it didn't. But my opinion is still in those young years. So I think as a lot of people are starting to do now when they're toddlers, when we're talking about genitals, giving them the correct anatomical names. Oh, yes. Starting off at that point. Um, And then I do think sort of in that late primary school years, early high school years Mm. is where we should start talking about it so where we're talking about their boys and we're teaching how to put condoms on and that sort of stuff we're actually teaching boys at that point about masturbation Mm. we need to talk about the girls as well and I would really like to teach the boys more about girls too we've got this little clitoris which is fabulous it's full of nerves yeah pinnacle pleasure point Right, we don't even need penetration at all to actually experience pleasure. Yes. Um, you know, my key point to boys, if they said, well, what's the number one thing that I could do to give a partner pleasure? Clitoris is the first thing that I would be talking about. <laughs> do you think, Vanessa, we haven't talked about it and our parents didn't talk to us about it? Well, obviously, because of the taboo thing in the generations, but also because we didn't understand it? Definitely. Like to look at on social media now, the anatomy of an erect penis and a clitoris. And I was like, wow, they actually look quite similar. They and are, the, yeah. And the nerves and all of this stuff, like, it's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think it definitely is now. We know so much more about it. Mm. But I think as well, because we've grown up in this sort of male-centric arena, sex for women has always been seen for reproduction. Only. So, yeah. So you, why would you pleasure the clitoris? That's, that's not required for, for um, reproduction. We need to actually penetrate the vaginal canal. And, yes. Um, so, yeah, I think it definitely comes 
all the way through history where we've talked about it. Mm. And if you think about it, men have to orgasm for for reproduction, whereas women don't. So, you know, they don't care whether we have pleasure or not. But fortunately, these days, men are caring more and more. They actually want their female partners to experience pleasure and be enjoying what's happening. I was just about to say, what... What part of pornography do you think has played a role in that shift from men understanding or not understanding pleasure? I feel like a lot of my high school boyfriends thought they knew what they were doing because they watched pornography and you're like, ah, no, that's not it. And I think too, because as even as a woman, I didn't even know what to do myself because no one showed me, no one taught me that pornography was not educational let's just say (laughs) yeah exactly yeah there definitely has been a shift in pornography too to pleasuring the women Mm. and I think the more as well we're focused on female friendly pornography that has become really important and the fact that more and more women are watching it as well has played a part in changing it because obviously now we're more aware of what we need and what we want almost any man that's not going to give it to us well I don't want you off you go I'll find the man that does want to give it to me take matters into your own hands yeah yeah we're going to take a quick minute just to check in because talking about these things can sometimes bring up some ideas and thoughts for you if you can recognize yourself in these women examples that we're talking about and you're feeling alone, you might like to know that we provide an online support group where it's a safe space to talk so openly about these very things, including sex and intimacy, all the things that make us human that we aren't allowed to talk about in the open. And actually, Vanessa hosted a free live event, which was exclusive for this group. If this is sounding like something you'd like to be part of too, There will be a link in the show notes. If you're a woman living with prolapse, you can certainly request to join. Let's get back into the rest of our chat with Vanessa. I mean, I definitely still say that pornography is still not a fabulous educational tool. Yeah, I agree. However, it can definitely play a role. And I think if we're watching the right pornography... Mm. it can be it can be helpful at least yeah because that's a concern isn't it for our kids I mean our kids are all very much too young to even be thinking about that but I do wonder because we had videotapes when we were younger (laughs) so there was always pornography or a magazine and that was it and the level of access to everything like disgusting horrible things to women and those those power relationships that are available for our kids on YouTube now how scary is that like really as a parent yeah it is and it's how do you stop it I mean obviously when they're old enough you know if you're comfortable which I hope people will be Mm. to have that conversation about critical thinking about yeah I know you're probably going to want to watch porn and you probably are watching porn. This is what you should be watching. We don't want to be watching these negative porns and these power plays where women are all submissive and we're just playing to the male's pleasure. Um, I don't know whether a lot of parents will be confident enough to have those conversations. I don't think so. I don't know. I'm now thinking about my children and thinking, even if I was confident, they will probably look at me and say, stop, 
don't yeah. talk anymore, mum. I cannot have this conversation with you. Yeah. So I guess the question would be, well, how do we present it in a way that's accessible for them to critically yeah. think and analyse what's going to be good for them? And I guess, yeah. Vanessa, you probably answered that before by starting those conversations in that late primary school years about their own bodies and what they will accept, not accept, yeah. what's safe and unsafe all of those things. Yeah. yeah. And I it's- think even just the general conversations as well about how do we see the different sexes and, and genders? Because now as well, you know, back in the day, we obviously weren't really dealing, were we, with non-binary, but we've, we're now recognising a larger spectrum. Thankfully, so, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think those conversations as well, just in general, are going to be critical and And hopefully that will help shape our kids' minds in general just at how they look at people and therefore that will then be transferred as well to then how they look at pornography as well. And themselves. I know we've we've focused a little bit too much on the kids. Let's get back to the (laughs) adults. I think I've been waiting for this episode for so long because I want to get some really juicy stuff from an expert in this field because I want to go back to when you had that conversation with your husband about not wanting to be touched and you gave us some really practical tips about how to have open eye contact and then we started talking about 360 degree awareness was it 360 degree communication communication yep. talk talk to me more about that because I feel about like that. yeah yeah so that's where we want to talk before during and after sex it comes from a positive place so a lot of the time people think about talking during sex as critiquing don't touch that touch this and we don't want to do that because obviously then that just puts everyone into a negative space oh yeah yeah, so we want to talk beforehand about what expectations are what you're happy for someone to do what you're not happy for them to do what you're willing to do during if there's something obviously that isn't working or is working really well Women are really internal. We respond internally. So we really need to be vocal about what's happening and what we're feeling. Okay. And afterwards then as well. So what was enjoyable, what was pleasurable, what didn't work, what was painful. Having those conversations then also uh, can make the next experience a lot better. And for women with prolapse, for instance, this conversation is really important because we know that these women worry about their partner and how they're satisfied and that actually reduces their own sex drive. And so they're worried that their partner isn't satisfied. They're worried about what their partner is seeing or feeling. Can they feel the prolapse? If they're wearing a pessary, can they feel it? Mm. Is it painful? is oral sex or digital stimulation is it kind of off the table and that negative body image of oh well it looks horrible down there they think that their partner sees as well Um, well you you do Vanessa and I can tell you from first-hand experience very personally I I'm exactly the same I think because I've looked at it and I think gross I'm confused by it actually like I don't always have a negative sense but I always think it's hard to describe even what it looks like it looks nothing like pre-prolapse and if I don't like it how can someone else actually like it they're just going to pretend they like it because they want the end game they want to ejaculate so 
do, do you know that's that's yeah. where we're coming yeah. from we don't believe that they possibly could like it because yeah. you yourself don't like it yeah and I think that's where the self-image really blocks and prevents us mm. um, and this is in general too you don't necessarily just have to have prolapse for this it blocks us from actually actively listening to what our partner's saying okay. and in general what we know about physical changes and this is from research changes that happen to women after childbirth and pregnancy we all see as negative right anything could be you know stretch marks could be just a, a flabbier tummy um, cesarean scar all yeah, of that's common exactly. right yeah we hate it we see it as negative what yep. the research tells us is that our pun actually doesn't see the changes in a negative light they don't okay. see it the same way that we do I've heard of some partners even say we are talking about the the flabbier tummy some have said they actually really like it they actually really like the extra body weight that their okay. partner has put on that is yeah. so hard to believe that that could even be true because of all the images we've grown up with in media and then we look yeah. at what men are viewing in pornography no one's got a flabby tummy there. They don't even have a flabby labia, for God's sake. Yes. Like it's all perfect. Yes. It's all just perfect. Yes. It's all surgically enhanced. <laughs> so it's really hard to honestly believe that the research, and, and so if your partner does say that to you, oh, no, it's totally fine. You're like, yeah, rubbish. Don't believe yeah. it. Don't buy it. So it's really it hard is. to change that, isn't it? Mindset. It is really hard. And I think it just you really got to actively listen to what they're saying because it is okay. true. And it's all a matter of what we're seeing as well. Like we look at it that way and we're so critical on ourselves. Yeah. Um, Self-criticism is one of the biggest problems. And so we're seeing these images in, in the media and going, oh, well, that's perfect because that's what you're telling me is perfect. Mm. Um. But our partners aren't necessarily doing that. And they also see different things when okay. they're looking at pornography, for instance. We're looking at oh, the flat stomach. They're not necessarily looking at the flat stomach. They actually aren't yeah. paying attention. It's the same thing with, you know, shaving legs. Women yeah. think, oh, gosh, I need to shave my legs before I have sex because, oh, they're it's a bit hairy. Cool. It's a bit horrible. We all do it. We've all done it. Exactly. But it's our own self-perception that we need to be nice, have nice, smooth legs. Your partner does not care whether your legs are shaved or not. They're going to have sex with you irrelevant. They actually <laughs> don't care. And I think too, this is some further insight, is that for women who have pelvic organ prolapse, and especially if it's protruding outside the, the opening of the vagina, yeah. it is impossible to, to maintain pubic hair the same way you did previously. So if you waxed or if you shaved or whatever you did before, when you've got the bulge coming out, yeah. I have, I've never been back to my beautician or coming up to seven years. I'm pretty sure she thought I was cheating on her and going off with someone else, other beautician, <laughs> but I just have never been able to do any maintenance there because I am scared wax is going to get on my yeah. vaginal wall and cause damage or shaving or all of that. And so I've just left it. And then I think also that my husband would go, yuck this is not 1982 this is not like you have babushkas anymore <laughs> yeah yeah hair is coming back but we are seeing a resurgence of hair so but you're right it's just that that change and being able to accept the change 
And when you are in a loving long-term relationship, Mm. our partners just see us as the loving person that we are and that Mm. that doesn't change, you know, before or after anything happens. Um, That is such a beautiful message that just hit right right here thank you like I just think we we don't hear it enough no Mm. because we also just our our internal voice is just so loud and I think it's 80 percent of our our thoughts are negative and that's on repeat all day every day so Mm. it's it takes a conscious effort to really try to change negative thoughts into positive thoughts and I think it's just regularly having those conversations with our partner as well and really trying to listen to what they're saying okay do you have any tips for women who are listening right now who have that 80 percent negative talk and I'm nodding going yeah that sounds about right (laughs) not very often I will look at things or do things and go oh I like that about myself I did it for the first time on the weekend even my husband had a giggle he goes oh go you that's awesome because we don't do it enough. We do it to our kids. Oh, well done. That's amazing. Great effort. Look at you go. But we don't cheer ourselves on. So do you have any little tips for us there? Yeah. So I definitely think at the end of the day, if you are into journaling or anything like that, just one simple gratitude at the end of the day about yourself okay. um, and how you're feeling about yourself makes yep. it one of the very first things we start off with in the in the Mama's Central Safari course is positive sexual self-messaging, which I know people hear about, oh, self-messaging, self-messaging, it's kind of become a thing. No, no, not at all. Tell me about it. I've never heard of it. I don't know what rock I've been living under, but tell (laughs) us, tell us about it. (laughs) It makes a huge difference when you talk to yourself positively. So um, with the sexual self-messaging, the way that I like to do it is, especially in the beginning, to actually look at yourself naked in the mirror and tell yourself something really positive about yourself confronting yeah it can be definitely and I like to do it in the morning and then throughout the day you then don't need to be naked throughout the day but I do like for that morning one um, Mm -hmm. to be naked and then four to five times throughout the day just tell yourself in your mind that that same message sure some people might even want to write it down on a post-it and stick it on the mirror and kind of read it for that day that's totally doable as well. Um, and it can be really confronting to stand naked in front of the mirror and tell yourself something positive. And for particularly for, say, women with prolapse, my goal would be that at some point they can then look at themselves, look at their vulva and mm-hmm. not see it as a space of trauma and unpleasantness and dissatisfaction, but actually see it as a happy place. an area of pleasure enjoyment and power even as well because Mm. what an amazing thing it has done particularly say if we're talking about those who have prolapse from childbirth vaginal delivery yes you burn a baby out of it I mean that's amazing so that's the goal um, is just really to get into that space of body acceptance and accepting who you are loving who you are the amount of confidence that comes from just accepting who you are and loving who you are Mm. so much confidence to just walk out into the day and do anything Um, we can be more productive we've got more energy people always talk about being exhausted 
yeah. uh, from the day and oh, just, you know, there's no so time. time. Yeah, there's no me time because it's all about the kids. When you actually start to love who you are, you actually become more productive. And mm. it's amazing then when you look at what you used to do during the day and what you can then achieve during the day. Bingo. It's a huge difference. And yeah, where you thought you previously didn't have five minutes for mm. yourself you've actually got five minutes for yourself. And that's all it takes every day is five minutes. And I love how you say every day because it's a practice, right? It's a continually daily practice. I've just finished reading Mel Robbins' book, The High Five Habit. And kind of what you've described there is similar to her, like giving yourself a literal high five in the mirror each day and saying, go you first thing in the morning. And for those who are listening going, oh, that sounds a bit woo-woo. I Trust me, I was exactly the same because I'm very black and white how can you change like no that's just the way I think however you see slowly after a week two weeks you go oh actually actually I'm okay and like it, it it definitely works if you stick at it in practice, and I'm guessing that's what you're saying with this when you look at your body, yeah. because some of our prolapse space groups online will say, don't look at your prolapse, you'll feel broken, you know, you'll you'll keep this negative. But I love how you've got that go in with the mindset of looking at it, like facing it rather than ignoring it and saying, you are amazing. What you have yeah. done throughout your entire life, even just even if you haven't had a baby. Even if you just look at it and go, you as a female menstruating. Yes. Anything like that is phenomenal. Yes. And oh my gosh, that's so disappointing to me to hear, you mm. know, people saying, don't look at it. It'll make you feel worse. Horrible. That That's literally just telling someone it's horrible. It's bad. It's negative. So don't yeah. look at it. We definitely need to be flipping that and saying, no, you you need to look at it and, and love what has, I mean, you don't have to love what's happening, but love the area and what it achieves and what it can bring and that it can be a positive, pleasurable space. Yeah. Um, we definitely need to be flipping that, that conversation. <laughs> I love that. I want to dig a little bit deeper because I know this also is an issue for a lot of women with prolapse. It comes as a nice little horrible cousin who hangs around incontinence so prolapse is one thing some women have reported that by sexual penetration it can make it go back up a lot of women debunk that and say no it's painful whatever works for you however during intercourse if you can and it's not painful when you suffer incontinence during sex Mm -hmm. I mean that really is next level that's a next level embarrassment have you worked with women who have experienced that as well, Vanessa? It is. And my my top tip for that, again, it's something that we see it with. We see ourselves, we go, oh my gosh, here we go. This is going to be horrible. And it's obviously a conversation that when you're with a partner, you have to have that conversation. This is my biggest fear that mm-hmm. I'm going to be incontinent during. Mm-hmm. My biggest recommendation for those women is to grab a towel and a blanket depending um so it depends on obviously the degree of incontinence so I love what are sold now as squirt blankets I don't know if you've seen these (laughs) I wish they wouldn't personally be marketed as squirt blankets because they are literally not just for women who squirt they can be used um during sex it's it's 
even calling it a sex blanket at this point would be much better. Yeah, um, right. You can use it during um, your period or if you're if you like to use natural lubricant, it can stain your sheets. Or if you're doing any food play, it's literally just a waterproof blanket. Okay. Um, and I would lay one of those down. And I would also have a hand towel as well or a towel if you do need to wipe anything away. And having that conversation with your partner as well, it may not actually be as bad as what you think. For some women, they may think it's it's a full gush, but it's actually just a few drops. Obviously, things like going to the toilet beforehand can yeah, help. Empty your bladder. Empty your bladder, um, empty your bowels out as well if that's an issue. Oh, yeah, um, it is. Yeah, and just wiping away and and knowing that you're both in that space together. It is That's definitely t- possible to have sex with I, I'm shaking my head just going, I can't imagine saying to my husband, oh, yeah, we're having spaghetti bolognese for dinner. Oh, by the way, can we talk about my incontinence during sex? I'm really open. Like, I wrote a book about it. But even that, even I'm thinking, I'm yet to get my head around that level. It's next level. So. Yeah. If someone like me wanted to do that and I didn't feel I could, I know you've very briefly mentioned you've got a program there. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and how that can help women build confidence to do this or partners both? Because do you have men as well? So the course is primarily for mums, but there is a component in there uh, for work with partners. Okay, sure. Yeah, so it's it's called the Mummers Central Safari and it's a course that's been specifically designed for mums, tired, busy mums to revive their sex life and their self-image. The reason why it's primarily for mums is because there's a lot of self-work that has to happen first before we go into work with our partner and that's what we work through we work through ourselves first and we work through so touch is something that is really important as well and we work through that on ourselves. then we work through partner touch as well before we even get to the genitals so it's definitely not a course if people need are thinking they're going to be scared that oh my gosh we're just going to go straight into my partner looking at my vulva and how horrible it may look yeah Um, we do a lot of work before that point okay and yeah it's completely self-paced so you can join anytime but I am always around to answer anyone's questions or clarify anything throughout and it basically is a central revival plan that I developed based off of my own plan and the work that I did to revive my sex life for you right because let's let's be really clear you're reviving the sex life for you first ultimately and then hopefully transferring that to your partner should you choose but you're really focusing on you first so anyone could be doing this even if you're single or exactly yeah you definitely don't need a partner um you've got obviously lifetime access to the course so for those mums that don't have a current partner they can absolutely still do it in the partner section there are scripts to have yeah and for those that are single they're just as important conversations to have with yourself um so you can still do that part and then obviously once you do get a partner you can sort of go back and you've got that to refer to, but it'll also be really important to put you in that positive mind space of these are my boundaries. This is what I want. So when you do meet a partner, Mm. you can lay it straight out as 
do this is me I feel like that would almost be appreciated because quite often we're we're guessing like we're trying to read each other's mind I don't know what you want I don't know what I want either so yeah (laughs) everyone's just fumbling their way through it aren't they exactly exactly so let's not do that let's be really clear on what it is that we want and what Mm. we need and as I said like owning your your sensuality and being confident it it gives you more energy to use during family time and throughout the whole day we start to become positive role models for our kids with Mm. our attitudes and our behaviors and really showing them what a confident person can do whether you have sons or daughters feeling sexy and desirable again that's what we all want we all want to feel attractive and sexy to our partner it's just human nature and just to be sexually and emotionally satisfied in our relationship so knowing that we are satisfied and knowing that our partner is satisfied is really important and it is really possible to do. I love that it's possible because there's a huge part of our community where penetration is not, it's it's a definite no-go zone because yeah. of pain and discomfort. But we've had women who are in our private space talk about how they can still be intimate at any age without penetration. Yeah, it is it's- not essential and We need to start changing the way we think about sex. Sex is our overarching umbrella word. It's not intercourse. Penetrative intercourse is completely separate to sex. There's so many different activities that you can do um, and still be intimate together that both partners will be happy with. Yeah. I bet you've probably followed. I love the work of Betty Dodson and body sex. Yes. Yeah, that I kind of got introduced to that through that goop, you know, the Gwyneth Paltrow series on goop. And she's like, (laughs) I didn't know that vulva and vagina were different things. And I don't think a lot of us did, to be honest. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, there's some, a lot of people doing some really good work out there to try to change how we see sexual health. So there's amazing women like you who are doing all these wonderful things, but they're still underground. It's still through channels like our podcast that we can talk about this openly why do you think there's still that stigma to be able to talk about this openly and I mean in kind of like that more mainstream media type thing because we still live in a male-centric environment and we've seen it recently and it's so frustrating when you are trying to get the word out it's so frustrating because uh, Facebook, for instance, I'm going to name and shame. <laughs> um, do it because otherwise yeah. if we're not calling out the people doing it to us, how are we ever going to stop yeah. it, Vanessa? So they have always, so you can't advertise on Facebook about sex unless it's to do with contraception or reproduction, nothing about pleasure. However, I could probably talk about male issues such as erectile dysfunction because, as I said before, men need to orgasm to reproduce so there would be a workaround for that loophole (laughs) yeah they've also just recently made some more changes to kind of their health advertising space making it even more difficult to put anything out Um, I have to say since those changes which only came in early March I actually haven't tried to put something up to see but I can see that a lot of ads that I had formerly running are now listed as rejected. Wow, so, we're going backwards? What? Yeah, yeah, it's horrible and it's, it's so frustrating. Hang on a minute. Wow. Yeah, because we just don't see 
sexual health as important, but what people don't realise is that sexual satisfaction, self-esteem and pleasure have a really important and positive impact on our physical health, our mental health and our overall well-being. Mm. So it actually plays a huge role in our overall health, but it is getting more and more difficult to kind of get the word out about it. Goodness me. Vanessa, you need to start your own podcast. Just (laughs) Just saying. Because when you can do your podcast, it's entirely up to you, right? I know everyone listening right now is going to be saying, this is gold. I want to know more of this. And if people do want to find out more about your course, where could they find you? Yeah, so I am on Instagram and Facebook as um, Authentic Awareness or my website, authenticawareness.com.au. So there's nothing scary about that, that title, those words. Not at all. I know. It, it's so frustrating. Like, what words do you use on, on ads to try to get around the advertising rules? But oh. you know, all we can do is keep pushing forward and trying. <laughs> yeah, you're doing a wonderful job. You've just planted some really good seeds even for me today. So I'm definitely going to check it out because we all know in our marriages and our relationships that once you have children, things change. Yes generally not for the more positive for the majority of us, I think, but we want it to, like you said, we don't want it to be like this forever. So definitely planting some good seeds there. Wow. Glad to hear that. (laughs) I think it is now up to us to really change this space and to be able to push back on big, big corporations like Facebook that are run by men who say no to women having sexual pleasure, but yes, to everything for men like come on surely we're going to do a petition or something what do you reckon (laughs) I think so I think with you at the lead Stephanie I think we could do it (laughs) (laughs) well it's funny because even though I'm here talking next to me right now is the community of women who are all living with prolapse who are going through this all together like we really do stand together in private Yeah, I think that's the thing, right? We can come together privately, but taking it sort of that next level up, we're still sort of hitting that that glass ceiling almost, which we need to break through. But do you feel like it is breaking? It is starting to crack. And I do feel like we are getting some traction in a really positive way, but there's still a long way to go for my girl. I mean, she's only six. So I feel like I'm hoping by the time that she's here where we are, things will look very different yes I hope so because there definitely are a lot of people out there trying to change it yeah Um, so we can only hope that the work we're doing is going to have a really positive benefit for our kids a real legacy and I know what you're doing is amazing so thank you so much for talking to us today I know it's going to be really helpful so thanks Vanessa this is what I love most about podcasting because we can have our little earbuds in our ears and no one has a clue what we are actually listening to. So if you're like me and having conversations with your partner like this could be hard and sometimes too hard, so we just ignore it, you can always share them the link to this episode. Just ask them to tune in. It could be just setting the scene to start an open conversation without having that barrier to begin with. Some things that you could ask your partner is what they thought of the episode, if anything resonated with them, if they aligned with anything, if anything came up for them that they would like to discuss with you, because we don't know what we don't know. 
Just to finish off today, we would love to thank our partners at the Continents Foundation for supporting this episode because did you know that one in three of us who've ever had a baby wet themselves? The good news is you don't have to put up with it anymore because you can call the National Continents Helpline on one 800 and speak directly to a continent's nurse specialist. This is for free and it's confidential. They're open from Monday to Friday from 8am until 8pm. If you'd like to find out some more information about this, you can just call that number. So until next time, bye for now. Brave, my